Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. So this is our last episode of the season and last episode of the year. And what a year it has been. It has been such a (laughs) roller coaster. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) I mean, like, usually I'm all about reflection and I just, but I just kind of want to look ahead to next year, to be honest. (laughs) I know. Yes, there are certainly some things to reflect on from this year, but uh, I think we're all going to be excited uh, for the turning of 2021 and hope for a different outcome, I guess, than this year has brought us. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, definitely. Well, so before we look ahead, as there is so much to look ahead to, in the spirit of trying to look at some positivity, what are two silver linings for the gap year space that you have seen as a result of COVID, Julia? Yeah, this is a good question. I actually, I do like, I do like thinking about this stuff. So, um, You know, for me as a gap year counselor who gets to work directly with students, I think that one thing I've noticed this year is um, in my students, just a general flexibility and open-mindedness. And and then as I've done um, kind of debriefs after the fall with students, just immense gratitude for having had the ability to to move into programs in community with their peers or to do it, have kind of cool and new experiences that they hadn't thought were possible earlier in the year. And so I think that I've seen some real silver linings in the students and how they're reacting to their gap time. So that's been really, really fulfilling for me. Uh, how about you, Margo? What are you seeing um, in the space? Yeah, I do think that I have a few things that I'm really appreciative of from this year that had been a result of COVID and things we might not have seen otherwise. One thing that's been really cool is seeing so many different GAP programs really adapt to what could have been an option to just like shut things down as some people needed mm-hmm. to, which I totally respect. But it, it And it's been cool to see how many programs have adapted and come up with new opportunities for students, be that a virtual experience that's super enriching and meaningful. Um, predominantly, I think domestic experiences are what we saw this fall, at least, of being able to give students the opportunity to explore our country during such a pivotal time for our nation, I think has been really important. And and ex- realizing how many spectacular locations and places and things there are to do right here in our own backyard. So that has mm. been really, really exciting. And especially for us as like for me designing a domestic program in some of my favorite locations in the U.S., like that has been really, really exciting for me. Um, I also think just seeing so many more students taking gap time who you know, at least I know for so many students that I interviewed this fall, the answer was, I had never thought about this before, but then school went online, COVID hit, and this seems like a really great option. And then now seeing students on the tail end of the fall semester, having had really transformative and life-changing experiences that they wouldn't have had otherwise, I think that this is a really also pivotal time for the gap year movement to see so many more students taking gap time and doing really cool and meaningful things with it. Yeah, I hope that we have a whole new army of believers after this yes. <laughs> after this year and advocates. You know, yes, advocates. Sorry. Um, so you know, one thing that I just saw that I was telling you about before we started recording, Margot, is just the fact that like we don't know exactly how many people have taken a gap year, but the but the 
information is starting to kind of come through a little trickle in about that. And I recently just saw a new survey that was done in Washington um, by Foundry 10. And it said that they surveyed about 300 students and about half of them were considering a gap year and 20% ended up taking a gap year. And that if, if you extrapolate that and if we get anywhere close to that number as being the like kind of overall number that of students who end up taking gap time, that's going to be a huge uh, you know, shift for the gap year space. Um, so we'll know more about that, I think, as 2021 moves along and as uh, no more people start to look at the numbers. Totally. I, it would be so interesting to hear from colleges and universities how many students they allowed to defer, which I know is record numbers. And, and I think it's really great how many schools have been so flexible to say, hey, you know, obviously an online experience from your dorm room or from home is not what what everybody was looking for in that college experience and giving them the flexibility to defer and push that out has been really cool. So I, yeah, hopefully someday it'd be really neat to get that information from, from schools. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, now, you know, we've, we've looked back and now we're starting to <laughs> look ahead. Um, so, you know, today's episode, we're really going to talk about what kinds of options you can consider for 2021. Um, and this could be for students. I mean, we definitely are thinking about the students who may be considering gap semesters. You know, if you've, if you've done a semester of Zoom University and it's not for you, looking ahead to, to what might be possible for the first half of the year. Or if you're a high school senior who's thinking about a gap year for next year, a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to be relevant to you too. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. Absolutely. It's it's pretty exciting to see, you know, looking to 2021 with a lot more options, hopefully coming up and there's a surprising amount on offer. So we are going to go over those programs as well as the independent activities that Gappers are dreaming up for this coming year. We are also going to hear today from researcher Kempi Blythe, international educational consultant with Transformative Travel Consulting and co-researcher of the Gap Year Association's 2020 Gap Year Alumni Survey, who Julia had the pleasure of speaking with. Yeah, Kempe is really going to highlight the benefits of a gap year through what they discovered through this alumni survey, which looked at 1,200 gap year alums and uh, had them self-assess what they took out away from their gap time, why they took a gap year, the skills they developed. I mean, so much good information. And Kempe gives us really a highlight reel of what the survey tells us about gappers. And hopefully it'll make people feel a lot better about deciding about a gap year, the gap year option. So let's hear from Kempe now, and then we'll be back to tell you more about what 2021 is looking like. Let's get to it. Kempi, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So let's get right into it. As the co-researcher, along with Nina Ho Gallagher, um, to this you know gap, 2020 Gap Year Alumni Survey, how did you design it and what were you looking for? So the primary um, aspects we were looking for is really um, there, there was only one gap year survey, more comprehensive survey done um, by my co-researcher Nina Ho-Gallagher in 2015 um, to really try to capture the North American or the sort of American, U.S. and Canada-based gap year experience and, and, and really capture who is taking gap years, 
Um, what types of experiences are, are they having? Why are they taking gap years? And what, um, what impacts are they having? And what specifically, what activities are contributing to those impacts? So, um, so that led us to this follow-up um, gap year alumni survey of 2020, so five years after the original. Um, and we, yeah, so we sent it out to, um, to a bunch of different um, gap year providers and such, and we got 1,200, about 1,200 gap year alumni responses from U.S. Canadian citizens from 48 different states, um, including also Puerto Rico and several Canadian provinces. Hmm. And um, 80, 89% of them took their gap year in the last decade, just to give you a sense of, um, of who these gap year alumni are. Very cool. Yeah. So we have a, kind of a, a wide swath of respondents. And I know that they, they all did different things as well. So when we think about what the key findings were of this research, you know, what were some of the most surprising findings to you, especially in comparison to the survey done five years ago? Yeah, that's that's an, that's a great question. So I think um, one of the most interesting findings for me was that um, so in terms of different gap year recipes, there were about 246 unique recipes. So different combinations of different activities and elements. So that's a wide variety of, of different types of gap year experiences. And of course, we found. Um, with our survey, which was mostly students who had taken um, or, or participants who had taken their gap year prior to the pandemic, 98% um, of them traveled abroad, 77% um, participated in a structured program, 79% um, engaged in service work, and 76% engaged in language learning, 61% um, engaged in academic coursework. And so I, I know that's a lot of statistics I just, th just threw out, but one thing that I thought was really interesting is even though um, most participants and respondents' gap year experience included service work, language learning, and academic coursework, those weren't necessarily the motivating factors to take a gap year, nor were they the most um, prominent um, pieces, components that contributed to the self-reported growth, learning, and development of those alumni. So that was mm -hmm. one of the biggest um, interesting facts that that came from findings came from this for me. Yeah, and I love that idea of recipe as well. In fact, I often think about that kind of analogy when when talking to people about what a how a gap year is different than the college experience. And the analogy that comes to mind to me is that like you can go to the store and buy store bought cookies, and you kind of know what you're getting, and they're kind of prepackaged for you. And there are different types, but they're kind of pre made. And then I I think of a gap year as like getting into the kitchen and making your own cookies and you can make whatever kind of cookies you want and there could be all sorts of different ingredients and if you don't want walnuts you don't have to put them in um and it kind of strikes me that a gap year is the most customizable form of education you know it's definitely part of the educational journey it's just um it's very very customizable absolutely absolutely um and then also in terms of of these different recipes we found that um uh Although generally gap year participants spent more than they earned, um, over a third or, or just about a third spent $5,000 or less. 
So there was really quite a range of um, participants who, you know, only earned income to spent over, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars, but but a third did spend five thousand dollars or less, which was another interesting finding. Definitely. And I think that that's really, really important for students who are considering a gap year to know that it doesn't need to cost a lot of money. Um, and it's, um, you know, I think it should be thought of as an investment, but it could be that's that doesn't mean that it's not investment of time, but it's also, you know, it's a uh, the investment can be um, financial, but it's always going to be emotional. Right. <laughs> um, so what are what about um the you know the self-reported outcomes for students as far as the the best benefits that they're getting out of this uh, intentional gap time. Absolutely. So um, a a whopping ninety eight percent of our respondents reported that their gap year helped them learn how to interact with people from different backgrounds or cultures. Ninety eight percent also reported increased maturity, and ninety seven percent. reported improved self-confidence. So, and and beyond that, there's increased academic motivation, um, feeling that you have a competitive advantage um, when applying to college or graduate school. So those are also um, more highly reported, but the maturity, self-confidence, and the the ability to interact with people from different backgrounds and cultures were some of the most prominent um, outcomes, as well as in, in sort of in line with this, um, s- the skills that participants felt like they improved upon the most, and they could select up to three, so there were a range of different skills. Um, but over half said cultural awareness, um, almost half said communication, and self-direction was also a, a big um, skill that was improved upon, or a prominent skill that was improved upon during their gap year or experience. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's I hear that all I hear all of that anecdotally all the time. So it's wonderful to now be able to point to data that show what I feel like I know intuitively about the gap experience. Um, And so what can you tell us about which types of experience yielded the best uh, the best outcomes? For example, do you need to spend a lot of money to have the best outcomes? Do you need to do something for a longer length of time to have the best outcomes? Like what, what kind of goes into those outcomes? Yeah, Julia, that is, is the, um, one of the most interesting findings from, from this research was that the gap year outcomes, we found that the gap year outcomes were not related to the type of gap year, the length of gap year, the cost of gap year, or the next steps that you took after gap year. So these outcomes were equitably distributed across across the board. Um, so that was a really interesting finding. Um, yeah, also really important for when students are thinking about um, how they want to spend their time, they don't need to have the pressure on themselves that some sort of experience is going to be better than another experience. I think that what yields a good outcome for students is them doing something that's authentically important to them. Um, and that's probably maybe why the data shows that. Is, do, would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we also found that interaction with, with difference, whether it be different places or different people, um, were the highest contributing factors to the self-reported growth, learning, and development. So. 
Um, 65% of the respondents said developing relationships with different types of people led to their growth, learning, and development. Um, 63% said being in a new and new and different environment contributed to that growth, learning, and development. And 44% said learning about the, the new environment, so learning the cultural, social, social, historical, religious, the context of the place um, led to that growth, learning, and development. Um, and as I mentioned before, surprisingly, the activities were less like so academic coursework and language learning and service um, work were actually lower um, or, or not as reported for for many people for the growth learning and development so it's really those relation those those interactions with difference that seem to be prompting and fostering um that growth wow so so interesting it actually reminds me of a interview we did um a a couple years ago on the podcast where we interviewed a, a city year alum um his name is tiger and he spent a a year with city year and his school that he was placed at was only about 20 minutes away from where he grew up, but it was a completely different environment, learning environment, uh, socioeconomic differences and uh, racial ethnic differences than the, than the community he grew up in. And I think that's like one of those examples of like, you don't need, necessarily need to go that far to have to be out of the, the bubble that you grew up in, right? You know, one thing that I really am interested in, too, is, you know, how do we how do we grow this movement? How can we use this information to help convince more people to take a gap year? What do, what do you think about that, Kempi? And what should we be taking away from this data to help, um, you know, do outreach? Yeah, that that is a great question. So I think that. Um... Well, I think there over the years, there has been sort of a dearth of gap year research specifically um, for North America or for the U.S. in particular. And I think, you know, a lot of the early gap year research was done in, you know, Europe or Australia, elsewhere. And so I think that there has been a, a positive trend in, in growing awareness about a gap year. Um, just a little backstory of, of myself, I actually took a gap semester many, many years ago. Um, and I remember it being quite, um, quite unusual. It was, it was there, um, but it was, it was quite hard to, to find. And what did you do with your time? I actually taught English in Micronesia. Wow. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty incredible experience. I was, there was just one other, um, American, with me um and i was i was very remote i don't think i was prepared for for what i was about to experience and i think that for you know gap year alumni they will relate that (laughs) that Uh you never can quite be prepared exactly for what your experience was um but it it led me on um on a path of being involved in international education and actually for many years before i became a consultant leading um, gap year semester programs for various different organizations in the field and, and fostering that that growth and witnessing, bearing witness to that growth um, with, with students uh, abroad. Oh, so fascinating. Um, I'm glad to hear glad to hear a little bit about your story too because I feel I feel there's a lot of kindred spirits in this world in this work. so that's very cool. Absolutely. but I, I'm realizing now that I didn't really answer your question. I think um, 
to a degree, I think just getting it out in the the academic and um, spaces is helpful in terms of mm. research. So I think that that's really um, there have been more anecdotal um, analysis and evaluations of gap year, but to have more sort of statistical knowledge. One of the challenges we continue to face is that we don't really know what the gap year alumni population in the U.S. is, mm. um, and so that will continue to be a challenge. But I think the more awareness around the benefits of gap year and also for students listening to, to this podcast or, or reading this research, um, you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking to um, improve your self-confidence or your maturity um, and you hadn't considered a gap year before, you know, this kind of might bring you into that scope the another interesting finding that we did find is that the burnout, the motivations for taking a gap year, um, our participants really only said only 35% said it was burnout and needing a break from academia. And I think that that's really interesting because originally a gap year, um, or not originally, but I, I think it was sort of anecdotally that um, that most people who take a gap year are burnt out from from formal education. And we didn't necessarily find that as one of the most prominent um, motivations for taking a gap year. Rather, students who did respond to our survey, they wanted to gain life experience, grow personally, they wanted to travel, they wanted to see the world, they wanted to experience different cultures. Those were much more prominent motivations than wanting to take a break from school. So, so that's also something that's an interesting um, yeah. <laughs> and you know what's interesting too is that we don't really know why students who didn't take a gap year didn't take one right um but we know what what we we know what these students found challenging about taking a gap year right is that isn't that wasn't that one of the survey questions we did ask about obstacles to taking a gap year mm -hmm. um and the um there were some financial um concerns about, um, I think it was about 30% or so. Um, but the biggest obstacle that participants faced was deciding which program was the right fit for them. Um, that being said, these are gap year alumni who did end up taking a gap year. So that was not an insurmountable challenge. And right. the survey didn't include those who, you know, for example, of finances would have been an, uh, an insurmountable challenge. So that's just something to keep in mind, but it is, it is that process of kind of deciding which program is the right fit that, that almost half of the respondents um, struggled with in the process, but were able to navigate through and obviously come out with some, some impressive outcomes. Right. Yeah. No, that's and that's interesting, too, because we do. I think that we hear that as well from listeners of the podcast and students who I talk to as well is that it's it's a whole nother it's a whole different process to navigate compared to the college admissions process. Um, and so some people find that a little bit intimidating and it is hard to find the right fit program. So, you know, listening to the podcast and considering all your options is an important part of that research process. But um Kempi, thank you so much for sharing this uh, these findings with us. I think this is really going to help people understand a little bit more about the you know overall benefits of taking gap time. Absolutely, thank you for for having me, and um, yeah, I wish everyone a 
a happy holiday and safe holiday. Thanks so much, Kempi. Welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Kempi about the results of the survey. And now Julia and I are going to give you a little preview of what you all can expect for this coming year of 2021 and the various options that we foresee as much as we can are to be available for students. Yeah, I think that 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 requires our disclaimer of, you know, Margot and I do not have crystal balls. We don't have any kind of special magical knowledge of the future, but we are going to be using our best abilities to kind of give you some good information and things to think about. Because a lot of this will, a lot of the decisions that people will make about their gap time and how they spend it has to do with your own risk assessment. You know, people feel comfortable doing different things. Um, But I think that what is important to know is that gap year programs are thinking very, very hard about how to create um, experiences where risk is managed as best as possible. Um, And Margo, as a program director, what can you tell us about how uh, programs, and especially ARC, is working to keep students and communities safe while you're running programs, both here in the States as well as internationally, which you are going to be running international programs in the winter? Yes, I can definitely share a little bit of certainly our lessons learned from this past year of running both summer and fall programs in 2020. I do think that our COVID protocols are very similar to a number of other companies and organizations in the field. So this is not anything unique to us, but um, certainly something that I think is is becoming the industry standard in varying capacities, be that you know, preventative measures before the program begins, quarantines on arrival, it's going to be different for any program that you are looking at and also based on local regulations, based on where you're going. If you're traveling to a country or state that requires a two-week quarantine, then that might be a part of that experience. But what we have found to be successful this fall was that, um, you know, having some of those preventative measures leading up to the program beginning. So, you know, 14 days of isolating within the family unit, keeping a daily health log, temperature checks, known contacts with any COVID positive person during that time frame. And then what I imagine most programs have is a pre-travel testing where, you know, we need to see that you have a negative COVID test prior to joining the program, basically. And then Rather than having a two-week quarantine on arrival to the program for us, we did a series of two more tests after the students have flown to the start or beginning of the program. Um, And basically, students are totally masked up and and taking all of those distancing, masking precautions in that time frame until we get those test results back. Um, But two more tests, three to five days and seven to 10 days after travel. And then once those are all come back as negative and we know that everybody is, is healthy at that point in time, um, continuing those you know health checks during that first 10-day period or so, then students can become like a pod or family unit, traveling quarantine team, whatever it is you want to call it, um, which is I think what most group programs are creating is these sort of traveling pods where students can uh, really have that authentic experience with their peers, demasked, um, you know, spending quality time with people, and then just keeping their distance or masking up or taking extra precautions whenever working with anybody outside of that pod. Yeah, I think that one thing that I've actually like seen and almost like have reacted to viscerally is pictures from programs this fall of students 
near each other, like hugging or like in close proximity and feeling like almost uncomfortable because like that's not part of our reality right now. And jealous a little bit too of being able to be so close to other people that aren't in your like, you know, immediate family unit. Yes. So that was so that was so interesting that I reacted that way. It's so weird. It's like watching one of those movies now where someone goes into a party and you're like, no, don't yes. do it. I was just about to say, or like seeing, you know, I'm watching all these holiday movies, seeing people mm-hmm. shopping at the mall and no one's wearing masks. And you're like, oh, there's so many strangers. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's gosh. very, yeah, I totally had those same feelings this fall. We're seeing, yeah, just seeing things that look so outside of, yes, what our reality is today, but really feeling so thankful that people are able to have that experience right now. I think that that's what has been so special, I think, of students being able to do in-person programming this fall is after what's been a tough year and a lot of isolation, to be able to have a peer unit, to make friends, to have bonds with people in that capacity um, has been just really exciting and and fulfilling as a director to see students getting to have those experiences. Definitely, definitely same. And I think that to your point of the safety protocols, I think that is common. That's what I'm seeing a lot of too, is the pre-program quarantining, testing on or testing on arrival or around as the bubble is being formed. And some programs are testing throughout the program. Um, programs are also creating some kind of post-program protocols as well in the same way that when college students are coming back home, they're quarantining away from their families until they can get tested. It's the same for most gap year programs where travel is involved on the back end. Um, and yeah, and then making sure that people are masking up when they're in the community, you know, obviously, and just, you know, keeping themselves safe and keeping other people in the community safe as well. But, you know, that we'll see different protocols based on what the situation of a a particular opportunity is. But as a student or a parent who's researching gap year programs, just ask. I mean, most of the websites I've seen have their COVID protocols on the homepage. They're like, read about what we're doing with COVID-19. So I think that a lot of opportunities are being very transparent, whether it's volunteering, uh, national service, service learning programs, internship programs, all these programs are really trying to think through how to transpose their experiences into the pandemic situation and still be able to run. <laughs> yes. That, yes, I think everyone's had to um, certainly get creative with that. But no, I think it's been, there are certain kind of standard procedures. And I think, Julia, you were mentioning that I think the Gap Year Association is also coming up with maybe some standardized COVID protocols that could be shared with programs. Is that correct? Yes, yes, that that's more of like an internal thing to the gap year space, but it is good, important to know that like there is a there are um, a coalition of programs that are working on this in in you know collaboration and collegiality with each other, even though they're quote unquote competing. Um, everybody has been working towards um, the goal of being able to run students on program safely. So. Yeah, Absolutely. it's very heartening. It is, yeah. I think um, you know we have certainly seen a lot of collaboration and collegiality this this year within the gap year industry. Not that we didn't have that before. I know yeah. we're all very sad to not be seeing each other this year on the road for the USA Gap Year Fairs. But um, really cool to see everyone coming together virtually for weekly calls for collaboration and all of that this year. Definitely, yeah. And I think that you know one 
thing that we're also seeing as far looking ahead to the winter and spring 2021 time period is more locations being on offer. What we saw in the fall was mostly domestic programming or volunteering or interning. Um, I think the farthest away that students were really considering that was within our borders was like Kauai. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but then and but then there were a couple ability. There was some ability to go international. I, I, I had students in Israel, Ireland and Italy. Um, so while there was kind of a feeling like you shouldn't go anywhere outside of our country, um, I found that students who were able to go to places that are handling COVID better than the U.S. actually had more freedom <laughs> mm-hmm. than we do on our programs here. So, um, Margo, as the director of the international programs at ARC, what is what's what was the what's your feeling on international travel during COVID? Yeah, so we, as as many other programs are, are planning on international programs in select locations for spring of 2021. So there are a number of countries and based on the list that Julia just shared with me, even more than I had realized that are opening up, especially to Americans, which for a while, you know, we are kind of the epicenter. So being, you know, I think some countries have been more hesitant there, but a lot of places are opening up and welcoming travelers. And I think really excited to have tourism coming back after what's been a challenging year. So I know that um, a couple of places that are currently open um, that we are, we are planning to run programs in Costa Rica, Belize, Peru, and Chile. Um, That is just us, though. There are a lot of other places that are opening up. It seems, you know, Ireland is still obviously an option in Israel. Italy, I would guess, some of these places that were open this fall. Um, But in addition, parts of the Caribbean, um, parts of Africa and Asia and other regions of Europe, um, you know, various countries in Central and South America, there are certainly places that are opening up. And when done, responsibly, which is really what I think we're all focusing on is is being as absolutely responsible as we can be to not be the vectors bringing the virus abroad or to very, you know, to communities or anything like that while traveling. But um, these really being feasible options for students hopefully coming up soon here. Yeah. And I think that um, one thing to note, too, is that certain places are not open to tourism, but they are open to people who have special kinds of visas like studying visas. So you can't just like walk into France right now as a tourist. But if you have a study abroad visa or a student visa that you would get through a study abroad program that you could go and, and study French in France this coming semester. Um, same thing with Thailand. You cannot just go to Thailand as a tour as an American tourist, um, but you can go if you have the if you go with a program that has the right relationship and is and is kind of handling you <laughs> as you is taking responsibility for you. And that's kind of what we're seeing in a lot of countries that are kind of half open, half closed. Um, if you go with the if you go through the right channels, usually through a program, you'll have more options. Um, and so this is one of those years where. As a, as a counselor, I really love the fact that there are just so many different ways to take a gap year. But I think that if you do want to travel internationally in the first quarter, as in like January through March or January through April of 2021, I think it is most safely done with a program um, and most feasibly done with a program just because of those barriers um, of quarantining and logistics and those things. Absolutely. And I think... What we're all certainly seeing right now is, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, a tough little bit here getting through holidays and, and you know, times where, where more people are gathering, there are more cases in the virus. Um, you know, we are foreseeing people kind of 
hunkering down in January, so to speak, um, you know, as we probably should be anyway, kind of staying closer mm-hmm. to home. But I think once that passes, we're really feeling hopeful that that these, I mean, not only that spring programs can run, but but that starting in February, which is typically when most spring semester programs start from what I've seen, or at least on our end, um, but, you know, February on having a lot of options for students. Definitely. And I think that, you know, for for students who are facing this, who are on their gap year right now or thinking about taking a leave of absence, thinking strategically about the next two months is really important because that doesn't have to be dead space for you. You know, if you're waiting to go on a program or if you're waiting until March or April to travel on your own somewhere or do something, um, that that time can still be spent doing a virtual internship, virtual volunteering, um, these kinds of gap year programs that help you design your life through kind of interactive programming, local volunteering, local interning, working. You know, there's so many ways that you can spend the next couple months that are beneficial to yourself and your community and your own personal goals. So don't ignore the hunker downtime. The hunker downtime is actually really good for personal projects or these shorter term, you know, opportunities as well. That is a very good point, Julia. Yes, none of this needs to be totally downtime or time off. It can certainly still be time on, even if you're at home, um, or hopefully really great time to soak up some uh, family time if, if you're able to, depending on where people are, um, you know, over the holidays, and then hopefully continuing on to some exciting adventures in the spring. Yeah, although I guess I do want to put in the caveat that I have been reading message boards of gap year students who are currently on their gap year. And one of the things that they're saying, um, I just observed like a mid-year check-in reflection board of a bunch of gappers recently. And the thing that they were tell- talking about with each other was that the ability to have leisure time and, a li- and, and have lack of a schedule and like not feel the pressure to be as productive as they had to be in high school was actually a real relief. So I do want to also just say that like, while you want to have like a reason to get up in the morning, like you don't have to just like, you know, over schedule yourself or take on too much or put undue pressure on yourself too. this a gap year really is a time for that recharging. So make sure to build in that balance. 100%. I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't have to all be time on <laughs> to clarify. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, so let's talk about like independent things that we're, that we're observing. You know, Margo, you've been doing interviews with students. I've been talking to my students and helping them think about their, their next steps and their planning and everything. So um, are you hearing from anybody who has done some interesting things on their gap year that aren't program related? I have seen a few. I have certainly seen a number of students who I think this past summer in particular, the road trip was big, you know, getting a couple friends, visiting national parks, camping, that sort of thing. Um, A lot of students that have been, you know, either working and doing remote internships or something in the fall and now planning an adventure in the spring or vice versa, fall to spring, I have seen... I have spoken to one student in particular who somehow has managed to travel quite a bit this fall. So it's not impossible. I think it depends on your, again, like you were saying, Julia, your risk assessment, your comfortability, um, your maybe travel savviness if you've already done a lot of other experiences that have built up to this. Um, I had a student who was in Iceland and then was traveling in like Croatia and various places um, with people that he knew in those regions. So, you know, we've seen a little bit of that, not as much as normal, of course. And, you know, I think students who are still considering potentially road trips in the spring, internships, work opportunities, other programs, um, you know, I do think that the independent travel that we might normally see during the gap year for students is not seeming as high, but it 
it isn't impossible and I think will only become more possible moving forward. But Julia, what have you seen more of? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of creative projects as part of people's gap time. So I have a student who started a business with a buddy and he moved out to LA. They are living in apartments and they're kind of working on this startup. Uh, I have a student who was working on the election. A lot of students who did like election related work totally. I know about, but this one in particular worked on a congressional campaign in Georgia while living in Hawaii with family friends. So that was a pretty sweet deal. Um, <laughs> and uh, lots of road trippers, like you mentioned, Margot. Um, and uh, I, I know about, I know also have discovered a couple people on Instagram, uh, these, this, uh, these two friends who are like road tripping all over the place, uh, fishing for the state fish in each of the states, Whoa. which is pretty cool. And they've done like 20 states so far or something like that. They're, that's a really fun story. We're going to have to get them on the pod eventually. Oh my gosh, totally. Um, yeah, totally. And then I, ha I have a couple students who are also planning on like some ski trips. Um, that could be like to one place, like a ski hill that they know somebody who like they can stay with or um, students who are buying like Epic Passes or Icon Passes mm -hmm. and doing kind of ski tours, which is also like one of my dream. My dream. <laughs> my, that's like my dream program creation idea is to create like a road trip program where you just like do a ski tour around all the Epic Pass resorts or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Our home mountain just joined Icon this year and I got talked out of buying that pass because of COVID and I regret it deeply. <laughs> well, there's always next year. Icons are, uh, Icon is forever now that they're in the, in the system. Oh, so totally. can, <laughs> yeah, that will be, I mean, and if you do, if you get your Icon pass next year, then when you're traveling in the winter, as you usually do, oh, yes. you can go I've to all the Icon this. resorts on the East coast. <laughs> so, I have thought yeah. about this. Yes. Okay, cool. So yeah, I think that, you know, what students are having kind of all of these self-created opportunities as well as like personal projects, like, uh, recording music, um, doing, uh, I have one student who's really into makeup artistry and she's been working on that in the fall. Um, and then lots of students who are doing virtual gap year programs. Um, and so that, I, that, um, I was hearing a lot of hesitancy to virtual options earlier in the year. And now I think that people have had some time in the real world, either through working or doing other things. They're more open to the idea of, do, of engaging virtually, as long as it's not just like Zoom University sing, sitting mm -hmm. um, on the screen, like big, getting talked at. Um, a lot of these gap year programs are very, very interactive. So that really is helpful. Absolutely. Yes, virtual options certainly still being very relevant, very possible, and a lot of really neat opportunities there as well. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we've hopefully given people some some food for thought, but maybe we should give people some resources <laughs> about where to go next. Absolutely. What do you think? I think that sounds great. Yes. Um, so one place where we always recommend people take a look is um, USA Gap Year Fairs or Go Overseas. Um, their, their next info sessions are going to be in January. So if you are still in need of information or if you're um, ahead of the game as a high school senior and looking towards the future for gap year opportunities, that's a great place to, to look. Um, and then in the meantime, if you want something right now to look at, to if you're wondering what's going to be running in January, February, March of 2021, the Gap Year Association uh, has a special page, like a COVID page, where they're allowing programs to post information about their recruitment and like deadlines and availability of gap year programs. So if you go to gapyearassociation.org, you'll see it on the homepage, the link to kind of their, their COVID or program update page. So go to that and check that out as well. Margo, any other resources that pe the people should know about? 
I think that those are probably the most relevant. I do know I think Go Overseas is a great resource for looking at program reviews as well and being able to read from from folks who have done the program before. Um, getting a sense for what that's like is a wonderful resource. And I think their virtual events can't highlight that enough. In lieu of the USA Gap Year Fairs, which you've heard us talk about before, Road Warriors, all of us heading out across the US mm-hmm. for tons of different events all over the place at high schools, um, they are hosting virtual events as an opportunity for students to be able to learn more about different gap program options and um, ways of going about a gap year. So that's a great place to start as well. They're virtual, they're accessible. um, So highly recommend taking a look at those. Definitely. And if you're looking for like a student peer to peer kind of, you know, resource page, um, Ladder, ladder ladder.co is a great um, place to look for uh, internships and job opportunities. That's a student community for students. uh, It used to be called remote students. So it's specifically for COVID affected gappers. Um, And then if if you're on Instagram, Let's Gap is another one that's a student run platform where you can connect with other gappers and and find uh, find each other and see what other people are doing. So those are two good, good spots to look as well. Margo, should we sign off in like another language or how are we going to end it today? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, of a good language to do. I'm not sure that I know too many that we have not already touched on. Pig Latin, maybe? Do you know some pig Latin? <laughs> do you want to share with no the listeners? I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, hold on. I have to Google it. Goodbye in pig Latin is... Um, uh, good evening is... Og- Og- Ode gay evening way and goodbye would be Ode gay yibe. So Ode gay yibe, Margo. Ode gay yibe. <laughs> so just people who are fluent in pig Latin are going to send us hate. Oh mail. my gosh. <laughs> well, lastly, you can find us here at Gap Your Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Your Radio or online at Gap Your Radio Podcast.com. You can email us your gap year questions or comments at gapyearradio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review, hopefully not about our pig Latin skills, on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover Gap Year Radio. All right, Margo. Udge yibe or Avhe away a day, which is have a nice day. <laughs> oh, it's getting real fancy over there. <laughs> All right. Happy holidays, Margo. I'll see you next season. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.